Hello and welcome back to Nature's Wonders. I'm your host Will and today we are joined by Levi, also known as MBS Reefer. He has some awesome corals that are very unique and not like anything a lot of people have ever seen. In this episode he's going to be given a lot of his knowledge and wisdom when caring for these corals. Thank you so much to Levi for joining me on this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Corals Anonymous and Aquachar. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you. How you doing today, Levi? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. So thank you for coming on the show today. Um, a lot of people know you on Instagram at Levi Peterson or MPS Reefer and also on YouTube. So thank you for coming on. And I would just love to talk all about your NPS and give information to a lot of people who don't know everything about NPS. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good to me. So you're not a normal reefer per se. Um Going through your page, you can just tell the corals don't look the same as, say, any other reefer, really. Yeah. Why don't your corals glow, or why don't they just go crazy like the other corals? Um, I mean, they're just kind of like a different area of the reefing uh, community. I mean, not many people keep non-photosynthetic corals because they're hard to keep. Uh, but a lot of non-photosynthetic corals actually look really cool. Um, the only coral that is non-photosynthetic and i think you can kind of see a little bit under like the blue lighting like a normal reefer would have would be like some of the black sun corals and like some dendrophilia the fathead dendros Mm. so you say nps what does nps mean um it stands for non-photosynthetic corals so photosynthesis obviously plants but um i guess does that um apply to corals as well um, it applies to a certain group of corals. Uh, just about everything I keep in that specific tank for my NPS corals is all non-photosynthetic, except for the uh, snake polyps, uh, which are pretty much half and half. Mm-hmm. So photosynthesis is obviously energy gathered from light. Mm-hmm. Uh, non-photosynthetic, I guess, would be energy not gathered from light. So yep. how are your corals getting the energy they need to grow? Um, lots of food and good trace element levels in the aquarium. Okay, so is that why the non-photosynthetics are so hard to keep? Is just because of the constant maintenance and extra yep. feeding? I mean, you do the extra feeding, that means you're going to have to end up doing extra maintenance because obviously you're going to have high nitrates and phosphates. Mm-hmm. So what are some types of corals that are non-photosynthetic that really draw you to them and are just a special type of coral that you don't really see often um i'd say like my uh, wire corals or like the lace corals the discoporas um those are some of the coolest uh, non-photosynthetic corals out there in my opinion uh there's a bunch more that i'm trying to track down right now uh that hopefully i will have soon uh but there is such a big variety out there i mean it's almost like a whole different like alien like area some certain reefers are diving into because a lot of people really don't know much about non-photosynthetic corals mm-hmm. i've seen the popularity go up a lot yes um, i have too for sure so i guess 
corals can be photosynthetic and non-photosynthetic in the same species. So you have the gorgonians, which can be photosynthetic or non-photosynthetic. Mm-hmm. How can you tell the difference between the species that are and aren't? Um, sometimes it can be pretty challenging, uh, but a lot of the photosynthetic ones are going to have like brown polyps. Uh, most non-photosynthetic ones have uh, white polyps because they lack the zooxanthellae mm-hmm. that and- a normal coral would have. The zooxanthellae, that's the uh, algae that lives on the skeleton, which makes yep. it glow. Yep. And how does that, that work? Does it work the same as plants with the photosynthetics, or how does that work? Uh, I mean, the non-photosynthetic corals, I mean, they, they eat, and then they just absorb the energy through, like, the polyp or whatever. Um, there's lots of different ways the non-photosynthetic corals eat. Some have polyps, some have like uh, sweeper tentacles. Uh, my lace corals, they have like hairs that kind of come out of them and like eat bacteria and other microplankton. And then my wire corals, which have like um, kind of small like tentacles coming out the side of them, to, they're actually pretty potent and they catch food really easily. Mm-hmm. So... Pretty much every reefer in any type of tank feeds their coral, Mm -hmm. and you feed your coral, and then it's kind of done, and the process is over, and you know they're going to grow. What goes into the coral after you feed it? Like, what's the process of them digesting the food to create the energy they need? Um, Basically, I mean, there's a couple different ways. Like, the lace corals, they... Actually, like, kind of the little hairs on them are actually, like, organ tissues inside of them just reaching out to just grab um, some food. Uh, that specific coral, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty because not many people have been able to keep them in captivity because they're actually not sure how they actually uh, eat and how they, well, what kind of foods they eat. So, so far, I've had my lace coral for about three, just about four months now, and it's doing super good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it just absorbs the nutrients? Yep. I mean, and it doesn't just absorb nutrients from, like, the food. It absorbs nutrients from the aquarium water as well. So, Mm -hmm. like, it absorbs, like, the calcium, magnesium, and everything that needs to technically grow. Yeah. And where do you find these corals? Because, I mean, they're not super big in the hobby right now. So, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of supply and demand coming up, I feel. Where are these located? Um, they're located all around the world. Like when I go to Florida, um, I actually collect a few species of gorgonians and soft corals uh, for my aquarium. Um, but other than that, a lot of the other non-photosynthetic corals either comes, uh, from like the Caribbean or like the Indo-Pacific is a big region. Uh, A lot of your dendrophilias, your sun corals, a lot of those come from like Australia. Um, but the common orange sun cup coral is just about in every ocean now. Uh, there's lots mm-hmm. of it down in like Florida now because um, I think it just spawns in certain areas of the world and currents take it literally all over the place. So, mm-hmm. Do people find that the NPS or I guess any coral, do they just uh, like the warmer water or are they everywhere from the Pacific to the Atlantic with uh, warm to cold? Um, I mean, there's non-photosynthetic corals that live all the way up to like like 32 degrees and below i mean you got like corals uh recent small coral reefs that have actually been discovered uh thousands of feet below like the antarctic in the antarctic ocean um there's 
I mean, you got some corals like the orange cup corals and some dendros that are in like the warmer water. All about your ladder, the non-photosynthetic corals are going to be like in cooler water because they're a lot deeper. Um, so that's the one downside of keeping them because you kind of do have to keep your temperature a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So a while ago I had a company on my podcast called Mike. Uh, hold up, let me look it up. <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. But I mean, I work at a local fish store, so I can kind of look at like uh, certain wholesalers lists and sometimes they have uh, certain corals I'm looking for on there. Or I have a couple good sources that I contact and ask, like request them pretty much. And they'll literally send out divers in like Indonesia and stuff to find these certain corals. Yeah, and I know that you have certain sponsors that um, will collect your coral for you and they are specific in the nps world mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about their companies um i mean i uh work with aci aquaculture they're one of our uh, store's wholesalers uh chris michael is a really good guy he loves my nps tank and loves helping it grow and uh help it be sustained I mean, he's where i get a lot of it from um and then there's a bunch of stores in the area i mean there's not too many stores in the area but a lot of them know me by name and, like, when they get a non-photosynthetic coral in on, like, an assorted coral shipment or they have one in stock that they ordered and it's not doing so hot, they usually literally call me up and say, hey, we got a coral for you. Um, so, I mean, mm-hmm. it happens a lot like that sometimes. Uh, but a lot of time, like, my uh, lace corals um, came from ACI Aquaculture to my store, and he literally sent a diver out in a cave in Indonesia to get them. That's pretty crazy. So you said that the stores, if they're not doing too well, they'll send them over to you. I see that a lot of people will buy the NPS corals, specifically sun corals and dendros, because they Mm -hmm. look so gorgeous. And then they put them in their tank, and they never see them open again. What are the steps that you take to ensure that your corals are happy and really puffed up and opening? Okay. Um, certain corals I dip, uh, just to be extra safe, like the corals that I collected in Florida, I dip for a good, quite a while, uh, because I, you never know what kind of pests they're going to have on them straight from the ocean. Uh, cause a lot of wholesaler facilities, when they get in wild corals, they'll, uh, dip them just to, so they don't have like some flukes or like flatworms getting into their system or whatever. Um, but one thing I'd recommend if you want an NPS coral and you want it to do well, okay, so a lot of the corals, I mean... You gotta uh, give them a good long acclimation, um, and then you gotta find like a certain area in your tank where there's not much light for them, but there's good flow, so they tend to open up. Like the sun corals, uh, they can be trained to open in the day, but that's kind of hard to do. Um, there's a good friend of mine, uh, Life of a Coral, he has some pretty good sun corals, um, and he's trained them to come out in the day, which is pretty sweet. I, you don't see that too often. Um, but yeah, a lot of people get NPS corals in on accident or they see them in a store and think they're really cool and the store doesn't tell them their care requirements um, and then they take it home and it just dies off. I get a lot of people asking questions about how I keep mine alive and stuff. Um, so I try to help out as many people as I can get them into like the non-photosynthetic world because there's a lot of cool corals uh, that are non-photosynthetic. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned life of a coral and... He has recently been kind of uncovering the big scandals in NPS corals, specifically the sun coral and the dying yep. coral. Like, uh, 
like actual pigment dye. Can you um, elaborate a little bit on that? Um, I mean, a lot of the importers, I've heard this from multiple wholesaler uh, sources. Um, they said there was these random new blue sun corals that randomly popped up out of nowhere. Um, and no one knew, really knew anything about them because they've never seen them before. So the importers were labeling them as like super rare blue sun corals or like newly discovered blue sun corals. So they were like a super hot item for about like two months. And then um, I was actually about to get some myself, but Life of Coral messaged me and said, hey, dude, I think these are dyed. Um, and we looked more into them. And sure enough, they were definitely dyed. Because uh, like when it grew new polyps or after even like a month in the aquarium, if that, I mean, they started changing colors. Uh, so that was kind of, that was definitely yeah. a big scandal. Uh, but I don't really see much of them coming yeah. in anymore. I think they kind of died down because people realize that they, uh, well, like they're died. So they're not going to be very healthy because they're literally injected uh, with pigment. So, yeah. So if you encounter a blue sun coral, would you just recommend not buying it just because yeah. of the health yeah, issues? Yeah, for sure. Or is there any way to just rejuvenate? I mean, you can try your best. Um, a lot of the times they'll reject the food because, like, the dye or the pigment makes them really sick. Um, and if you get if you get them in your tank at home or whatever, they can pass that illness on to like other sun corals. Um, so once I found that all out, mm -hmm. I kind of do wish there was a blue sun coral because that'd be like a super cool coral. Because I mean, honestly, there's really not many blue corals in the world whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. Like blue would be an awesome color to have in like reef tanks. Uh, just simply because yeah. it's really not seen too often. But yeah, definitely, I'd not recommend buying a blue sun coral because it probably will not make it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really seen that many blue corals besides maybe some gorg polyps yep. or zoas. Well, zoas are in any color you want. Um, so another tank that you have is your seahorse tank. Yeah. Do you find that seahorses go very well with the NPS coral? Um, I don't have any non-photosynthetic coral in that tank. Those are actually all photosynthetic corals I collected from the Florida Keys. Um, there is, oh, okay. I mean, the only NPS thing I consider in there is a flame scallop. Uh, but okay. Yeah, that's been doing super well, but yeah. I mean, I still feed that tank, like, baby brine shrimp for the polyps and stuff, and, like, a little bit of phytoplankton, but they definitely don't. Uh, need the constant care like a uh, non-photosynthetic coral would. Do non-photosynthetic corals work well with certain fish rather than other um, fish? I mean, my tank right now, I'm trying to kind of keep it like deep water. Uh, so I got like the squirrel fish and everything. I've seen plenty of people uh, do like angel fish and stuff uh, with the non-photosynthetic corals. Uh, but when I uh, construct a tank, I try to think of uh, where the fish comes from, where the coral comes from, what interacts best with each other, and, like, what the ecosystem would look like in the wild. So I try to mimic that in every single one of my tanks that I have. Mm -hmm. So you talk about mimicking the ecosystem, and another one of your sponsors is actually Real Reef Rock. Mm -hmm. And I found their uh, website, and it's a really interesting thing that they're trying to do. Can you tell us a little bit about what their goal is? I mean, their goal is kind of to help save the reefs because, I mean, a while back, a lot of the rock that was in the hobby was actually getting taken from, like, uh, live reefs, and it was starting to damage the reefs. So, I mean, real reef rock is what I use in my seahorse tank and um, my NPS tank. I just love the purple rock. I mean, it kind of looks like it's already coral lined up. 
Um, but I use that for both my uh, seahorse tank and the NPS tank. And I just love the coloration. It makes the coral pop. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, they have a good thing going on right now, like making that rock. I mean, it's not like real, real rock, but like it's really, really porous and it's very, very um, natural. So I love the way it looks. That's That's nice. Yeah, it's a good thing to see people not destroying the oh, reefs yeah. as much as they can. So what are the care requirements on keeping these NPS corals, specifically the uh, parameters that you're trying to keep and the feeding requirements and what you feed? Okay, so um, I'll start off with the feeding. I feed strictly reef nutrition because um, I've noticed their products work the best. I've tried a bunch of other different brands of food, uh, but like um, the uh, – Oh, what's it called? The Polyp Lab. Um, I can't even remember it right now. Yeah, Reefroids. I mean, I was using that for the longest time at first, but I noticed it spiked your nitrates in seconds, and it, it could crash a tank really easily if you overused it. And I'm, I'm feeding a lot, so i got to be really careful. Uh, so I tried some Reef Nutrition. Um, I started talking with Chad. I uh, met him at one of the shows, and he hooked me up, and we got this good thing going on, and I mean, yeah, he uses, like, a big amount of food, but he definitely supports the aquarium. He loves what I do and loves that I'm young and doing something that not many people do. Um, and as far as, like, parameters go, I try to keep my nitrates below 60, um, simply because it is extremely hard to keep your nitrates super, super low in an aquarium where you're feeding just about constantly. Um, so I use, like, macroalgae to help with, like, the phosphates and the nitrates. Um, here soon I do have an algae scrubber coming, so that'll definitely help out. Um, but the pH is definitely a struggle, uh, because, I mean, a lot of times I have to light off, uh, so there's no, nothing photosynth uh, photosynthizing, photosynthetic, yeah, photosynthizing in the aquarium, uh, causing the pH to lower down. So I jammed a bunch of macro on my sump and leave that light on just about constantly, because, um, when macroalgae photosynthesized or anything in an aquarium uh, photosynthesizes, uh, it absorbs like the CO2 in the aquarium causing the pH to drop. So the pH is anywhere around from like 8.3 all the way down to 7.5 on some bad days. Uh, but right now it's at 8.0, so I mean I'm kind of happy with that. Uh, but pH, nitrates, and phosphates are definitely hard to handle in this tank. Uh, but you definitely got to keep them on like weekly water changes and sometimes even two water changes per week. Mm -hmm. So, from what you just said, these corals seem like a, a struggle to keep. For a beginner in the NPS world, what are corals that you would suggest? Um, I'd start out with maybe like some large polyp uh, gorgonians. Um, those se seem to be the easiest to keep. Um, I've been doing a little bit of research and getting different corals from different areas of the world. And I've noticed certain corals do better than others, but I'm almost curious if like certain corals eat certain species of plankton from like like native to their area that they are collected from so i think that's another struggle uh with keeping corals is simply because they're uh eating certain species of like microorganisms that are native to where they're collected i mean even if you have like uh reef nutrition or whatever you never know if that coral is going to actually eat that because i mean maybe there's different species in different parts of the world so i mean it's all big kind of crazy uh, thing to accomplish but it's definitely fun another coral i recommend is probably like an orange sun coral that's probably one of the other easy ones to keep um other than that i'd start out with those and maybe work your way up to like a chili coral and just keep going from there 
I mean, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. well, thank thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great hearing from you, and I learned a lot about MPS. It's a it's a new it's a new thing, I think, and I think that it's gaining traction, just like macroalgae. Oh, yeah, sure. So, yep. we'll see where yep. it goes. So, yeah, thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the end, and a special thanks again to Levi for joining me on this episode. I had a great time discussing NPS corals, and I've learned a lot in this episode. NPS corals is something so unique and untouched by a lot of hobbyists, so I hope that this episode can inspire a lot of people. The next episode will be the first episode in a two-part series talking about bonsai. The first episode will be with Claude Smith and we'll be talking about a more modern style of bonsai. So stay tuned for that one. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you.